And we, we are recording this, FYI, just a full disclosure. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the first book club of 2019. We're very excited. We're rolling into year two consistently. I did it, you know, many, many years ago, but last year we did... I think 11 books. Uh, I gave up on one halfway through. I couldn't finish it, so um, which was you know humorous. And then this year we've already got I think the first four or five set. So um, I have as my guest today Brian Finnegan, and Brian is the EVP at Bricksmore Properties. And I'm sure everyone on the call, Brian, everyone, pretty much 95% of everyone on the call is in retail. Uh, I would say yeah. mostly leasing, but we have some investment sale people, some mortgage people, and everyone once in a while will have an outlier of, you know, another part of the business. And um, Brian and I met in 2016, and we've been friends ever since. And uh, in New, at the New York ICSE, I had a, uh, I said to Brian, you know, let's just chat. Let me come by and say hi. And he pulls out of his briefcase this book, The Obstacle is the Way. And he said, I really like this. You should read this. And I said, awesome. And I did. I, I think I kind of pretty much read it on the plane ride home, most of it. And I enjoyed it. And I thought it would be a good book to start our new year. So I invited Brian. Brian's got a meeting at noon, so he's gonna. We're gonna chat with Brian about why he liked the book, um, why he wanted to share it with me. He knows who our audience is. But before I do that, Brian, what I would like to ask you: So, do you is reading a hobby for you, or is it a hit or miss thing? It's it's become a hobby for me. Um, when I moved back to, and thanks, thanks for, again for having me, when I moved back to the East Coast, um, I tried to set a goal in 2015. I tried. I set a goal of 12 books. I wanted to do a book a month. And then last year, I wanted to get to 20 books. And this year, I wanted to do two a month. So I, I read roughly two books a month. Um, I tried to mix it up between business books between not a ton of fiction. I don't read a ton of fiction, but um, I really focus a lot on, on biographies of um, successful people, uh, historical figures. Uh, one, of the, one of the reasons that, that you know, I thought to bring this book to Beth uh, was because of this book club, frankly. I, I haven't been able to be on the calls, but Beth was kind enough last year to send me Danny Meyer setting the table and I actually bought that book for all my managers um, as well as my CEO for the end of the year because it just had such a profound impact on the way to serve the customer, and you can see why he's so successful. And so when, when Beth had sent the meeting out, um, and knowing that the, the love of books that, that she has and that you all have, um, I wanted to make sure that, that this one, which has had a, an impact on my life, was uh, something that I thought would be beneficial. Okay, so share uh, why it's had an impact on your life, if you will, yeah. please. Sure, sure. So I think to do that, um, how I found it would be, would be the circumstance around how it came to me would be important. So um, for those of you that, that know Bricksmore, we, we own roughly 400 and 40 some odd shopping centers across the U.S. Um, fairly in 32 states, I believe, is our last as of our last quarterly filing. And in 2016, um, there was an unfortunate event at the company um, that led to the dismissal of our CEO, uh, our CFO, 
um, our chief accounting officer, and another employee who was a close friend of mine. So imagine you're there on a Sunday, you walk in, your boss is gone, your boss for seven years is, is out, as well as a number of people that you're really close with on the executive team. And um, there's some things that can happen during that time. You start to think about, well, maybe they were wrong for how they were treated or all this stuff you can be angry about. And I decided at the time that I just said, look, I'm going to put my head down and go to work. And I work with a coach um, here. And he had recommended this book to me because um, there was certainly, if you just use the title, there was, there was an obstacle here. We had somebody who was with the company. Our CEO, our prior CEO was with the company um, for over 20 years and had you know, been a mentor to me and uh, to many people in, in the industry. It was really the only reason for, not the only I shouldn't say, but was a big reason for the success. And there was a lot of questions out there regarding the, our broader team in terms of we can continue, um, continue the, the, the success that the company had previously had. So when I got the book, um, I like fast dove into it and read it really quickly. And, and what I really liked about it first was that it was timeless. Um, the fact that the principles that Ryan was talking about in the book were written thousands of years ago and could right. be applied like I said, I today. 170, right? 170. Yeah, 170. <laughs> um, and could be applied today was it's just eye-opening as I was reading the pages and then went on to read Marcus Aurelius's meditations or actually had referred to it. I hadn't really remembered it or didn't read it uh, with as much focus when I was in high school. Um, but I thought that was, the, that was the first piece. The other piece that was important to me is that a lot of the principles that he talked about could be applied to your job, could be applied to sports, could be applied to your personal life. And the biggest thing for me was first, he goes into three things. For those of you that have read the book, he goes into three things in there, um, perception, action, and will relating to obstacles that we face in life. And the, the biggest kind of overall takeaway for me, and it's in a number of different books, is recognizing what's in your control and what's not. And focusing on the things that are in your control to be able to make an impact on some of the things that aren't. So the thing about, about perception to me was really key in terms of how you perceive an obstacle. Right? If you perceive an obstacle just that it's unfair or that you throw your hands up, the woe is me, you get frustrated, well, guess what? That obstacle is, gonna, is going to remain. You're not going really, to think about um, how you can necessarily overcome it. Um, he uses a quote in the book of, from Ben Franklin that says, the things that hurt us actually instruct us. And if you're able to take, and if you're able to take um, some obstacles and look and perceive them in a different way as an opportunity for growth or to attack um, a goal or something in a different manner, uh, it's important. And, and perception throughout the book I think is an important way in terms of how we view not just the, the obstacles in front of us but just the world. The other thing, um, related to, to action that he talks about in the book um, 
was really the creativity and how you go about attacking the problem. Your perception leads to, hey, you know, if there's a problem that's there, rather than just being resigned to failure or to not being able to get through it, how can I work, how can I think about and get creative and ultimately um, be able to achieve what I want to despite what's in front of us? Um, you know, the example that, that happened with me was, you know, I was able to develop relationships with a lot of key tenants that, you know, I had known through Mike um, and I had met previously, but because that opened the window and someone had to step in to do that, I was able to do that. And what that allowed me to do was to create and develop really good relationships in a time of, in a time of challenges for us um, as a company. Um, and then the last piece that he talks about is, is will in the book and the, and the, um, the focus to keep pressing on knowing that there's things you can't control. I mean, he goes into philosophies about, look, everybody's going to die <laughs> and things like that and, and recognizing that there is stuff in your, in your life that is out of your control, but to continue to press on and have, and have perseverance um, was important. And so when I, when I read this, I actually – it's usually my gift. It's usually what I do for our team at the end of the year. Is I'll, I'll give uh, a book out that had an impact. I send it to all our guys and, and, and uh, guys and and girls. Um, but if, if what the feedback that I got was great in terms of the different ways in their life that um, it was impacting them. So um, I really found it throughout in my personal life of having of having perspective um, is the is the I think the most important thing that I took out of this, that things are not really always as bad as they seem, and that generally a, um, what, can be, what can seem like an obstacle or a challenge can really be an opportunity for you to grow, can be an opportunity to, for you to not just what you achieve to set out to do, but to do it in a different way um, that could be more rewarding. Absolutely, and, and I think also, uh, speaking from you know, an observer during that difficult time for you, and you know, this is a question, but I'm I'm assuming and guessing that your management style or your relationship with your direct reports and and others who were not your direct reports, but then maybe became your direct reports, right? Gave you opportunities to further your management style and expertise and grow in that area as well, right? Absolutely. Um, the, the way, just get, getting back to what I said at the beginning, the way that I approached this um, was, look, there's a lot of people here that just want that just want to work hard. That this shouldn't impact what they do on a day in and day out basis. So how can we continue to give them the support that they can not only continue to do their jobs well, but also we and everyone. But I think throughout the organization, um, you saw people, people step up. So it, it, did, it did allow for um, people to kind of show up to the talent that, that they had. Um, because in periods, I think, throughout, Enjoy, man. throughout the world, there's a period of disruption. Ultimately, people have the opportunity to step up. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, you were breaking up there a little bit, just FYI. I don't know if you were Oh, I'm losing. sorry. 
That's okay. So um, I know you're going to have to drop drop off in about I don't know ten minutes. But what I but so you obviously know the world of leasing agents very well. Mm-hmm. And um, well, I you know, pretend how to. How do you it's... think that they should take the messages in this book? And you know, give them some practical advice, or maybe yeah. you already have with your team, uh, because that's you know that's my goal, right? My goal is when everyone gets off that this call, they can take uh, something. You know, if, I always say if you learn one thing from a book, right, one thing, yep. and that yep. you employ it, then it was worth it, right? So yeah. Uh, so give us your. I, I wrote a couple. Thi- I wrote a couple things down and, and uh, some reminders that I actually had sent out to the team or talked to some members of the team about a couple years ago. And, and frankly, doing this, um, I'm grateful to you because it'll allow me to, to reinforce it. So the, the thing about perception, first from a leasing rep's perspective, um, if you perceive you got a tough center to lease, you're going to have a tough center to lease. <laughs> and if if you perceive that a tenant's never going to go there guess what? They're never going to go there, right? And, you know, I have a button. You can't ever say no for the prospect, right? Uh, Well, you see, you plugged right there. I actually have a button on my my desk, a gift from friends for Christmas from a new book um, that that I – that my team is laughing when they hear it down the hallway, but I have it right next to my phone uh, that, that Beth sent me, and it's it's exactly right. So if you – if you perceive, when, when, we're, when we're faced, and I, when I was a broker, a leasing rep, where I sit today, look, it, your circumstances surrounding your asset are always going to be different. And it's up to you to create what that reality can be. But if you go into it with the mindset that, oh, man, this is tough, or you know, I don't have the capital for this, or you know, the owner is really tough that I have to represent on this one, then, then that's going to be the reality. Right? Whereas if you, approach, if you approach the center as if, look, with the circumstances that I have here, how could I create the best result for this piece of real estate? I think it's something to think about, and it's really key in terms of, in terms of perception. And it's the same thing in a meeting with a tenant, right? There may be, you don't, know, you don't always know the reasons why it might be a a good opportunity or a hole for them if all you're thinking of, well, it doesn't check all these boxes, right? But going into the meeting, going into whatever meeting or discussion with a prospect, um, highlighting your pitch and highlighting all the reasons you think it's a tremendous opportunity and getting the negative stuff out of the way that you can't control, I think is, is important. Um, you know, I, I think from an action standpoint, one of the things is, so, so now that you perceive kind of what can be, how are you going to make it happen? So you were able to get a tenant to a site maybe that you never thought you were, gonna, you were going to get them there. Um, so that's great. Are you just going to show up to the meeting? Or are you going to spend the weekend highlighting every single reason that they should be there? Right? Are you going to go through and not just map their existing locations, but be able to talk to them about why this is a whole, how the, how the market shops differently, how they can change their strategy if they reload to this site and consider something that they might not have, and frankly, put the work in that not everybody always does. So it, it's really... Under putting, once, once you get to the fact of something can be 
different and you don't worry about the stuff you can't control, figuring out from an action plan standpoint what you can do to make that happen. And then, and then from, a, from a will perspective, um, to continue when, when fate intervenes. And, and I, I, uh, there's, another, there's another book in, I, um, called, um, by Carol Dweck called um, Mindset. And it talks about the growth mindset. And, and to be able to, to persist when you ultimately are rejected or to take a positive or to take an interaction and be able to utilize that in the future. Um, Beth, I don't know if you – I remember you telling me a story one time. I don't know the exact circumstances of it, but you had met somebody um, on, at an ICSE, and they had talked about something that they, that they liked, and you found an article collector. of it. A watch, watch collector, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you found an article about it, and you pulled it out of, and just on a flight home, pulled that article out of the magazine you were writing yeah. and put it in a thank you card. And, and that action, when you needed a consent from that yeah. tenant, two yeah. years later, you didn't even know you needed it at the time, and you I were able to follow. Him. You don't even know you knew him. Right. You were able to follow up with him, and he. Right. And he recognized that. Um, and, it was, so, and it was, I was representing LA Fitness, and I was the tenant rep broker, and it was for a wine garden center. And wine garden said, we don't, we, there's no way, this is early, early with gyms. No landlord wanted gyms. This is like 1995. And they had to get four or five waivers. And I said, well, let me, I'll go get the waivers. And Wine Garden said, well, why would we let you do that? You're the tenant rep broker. And I'm yeah. like, well, because I think I can, because I have the po optimistic attitude, and I think I can pull it off. And I got Publix, TJ Maxx, Circuit City, and, and the last one was Office Depot. And I'm like, oh, well, this might be my holdup. I don't know anyone there. And I went to my CRM, typed in Office Depot, Ron Ricks shows up, and I, and I had a note that I had sent him the watch collecting picture of the little piece of furniture that I had pulled out of the Sky Mall magazine. And I called them, and he goes, of course I'll give you the waiver. And like for no money, zero money, five, four waivers on behalf of Weingarten so I could get my LA Fitness deal done. Yeah, and, and I think that, that to me as I was thinking about this is, is a perfect example of, of just how you approach your interactions with people and how, and how little things like that from a fate perspective can, can come around to benefit you later in life. And conversely, you know, where your interactions with people on a negative perspective, understanding what, what that will mean down the line as well. And so that's, that's some of the ways I think from a leasing um, perspective that I, that I think about how the book could be, could be helpful. Um, the one, the one example in the book that I, the, the, the kind of, if you say you learn one thing from a book, um, he talks about Thomas Edison late in his career, um, his building, his office where the building where his office was burned down and it had all of his research, everything. And he, and someone had come up to him uh, when he was standing outside the building saying, this must be so awful, this is terrible, all your work, everything you did, it's gone. And he, <laughs> he turned around and said, um, 
Well, at least we weren't in the building. Yeah. And yeah, that was a great story. Yeah. And it's and isn't this a wonderful fire we can see? And what that what he did was after the fact, he was able to he was able to regroup, came back, made upwards of ten million dollars a year. The made ten million dollars for that time, which was an incredible, still an incredible amount of money. But if you think about that, he did that the following year. Um, his perspective, right? The perspective of the person that came up to him said it was so awful, it was terrible. All she was thinking about was what the work that he had lost, whereas he's saying, well, I'm still here, not in the building. Right. So yeah. I, One I, of the quotes in the book I, you know, that I like is he, they say, he says, you know, there's the, you know, you say this happened, right? The fire happened. That's, that's the, uh, the objective piece of it. And then the mm-hmm. subjective is how you are going to now look at that. And, and, and your subjective comment about the act that actually happened, you have the woman, which, oh, my gosh, this is so terrible. And then he's like, well, you know, at least we weren't in it. And, it's, and he, he talks about the observing eye. The observing eye is clear of distraction because you're observing an event. And then you have the perceiving eye. And the perceiving eye is where all these emo- this emotional negativity comes in. And when you have that emotional negativity, you don't have the clearness, the clear view to come up with something creative to move through it and get to the other side. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So before I let you go, because I know yep. you need to run, um, you had mentioned in my email you're going to try to get him, a Ryan Holiday, to your brig, big brain event. So first of all, did you get him? And second of all, what is well, your we, big well, we brain event? Get, we actually we didn't get him yet. So what, what we do here at Bricksmore, and it's I'm real I'm very thankful to our um, our CEO Jim Taylor and our Chief Talent Officer um, Carolyn Singh. Um, when we rolled out a new benefits package uh, about a year and a half ago, we came up with with these big brain day event big big brain day events, which um, will typically have a book. Um, we had. Gretchen Rubin, um, the Happiness Project. Um, we had uh, we had G. Um, I'm trying to th- uh, Rejection Proof by G. Jiang, um, which we, we, he came in and spoke to us. What we'll typically do is have the book either the day of or. Uh, a few a week or two before, and then the speaker will come in, and we have a meeting typically in our our New York, um, either in the New York area or one of our regional offices. And every region will call in on a on a video conference and cool. be able to hear from that speaker, um, talk to them about the book, and ask questions too. Uh, and it's been great. And uh, it's That's something awesome. that uh, most of the organization gets into. We probably have, it's not uh, mandatory, and we probably have 95% participation rate across That's the fabulous. country. That's fabulous. Do you read yeah. on, when you said I, I, I upped my reading when I moved back east, is that because you do the train commute? <laughs> no, I, it's just, um, you know, I was reading sporadically, and I wanted to, I just wanted to make it more of a habit. And to do that, I had to set a goal around it. So when I set a goal around it of it was going to be one a month, and believe me, like the end of this year, I was only at 21 books in first week of December. So I plowed through <laughs> four books at the end of the year because once I got to 24, I was like – competitive, Brian.
Brian, are you? No. Once I got to twenty four once I got to twenty four, I'm like, well wait a second, twenty five sounds like a much cooler number. So um but and do you, that's, do you it, read it, hard copies or do you hard do copies? Kindle? I, I do I do hard copies. I'm not a big Kindle. I mean yeah. I I've I have uh, I have some books on my iPad but um yeah. I have a I have usually a hard copy. I'm lugging a big one around right now. Um, I'm reading Team of Rivals from uh, uh, about Abraham Lincoln, um, cool. which which was the basis for the Lincoln movie. So uh, I'll have a report back to you on that. It's a little long. It's up there for me. It's like 750 pages. So um, I'm usually in the 300 range, but but it's well, good so uh, far. So I'll you. let you know how it goes. I- yeah, lo- thanks so much for giving us your time. Um, everyone else, stay on the call. Um, we'd love to have you back, Brian, so keep us posted as to what books. We've got a few coming up. Uh, obviously, there's this new one coming up next month. You know, you know, call, don't say no for the prospect. But then <laughs> after that, we have um, Atomic Habits. Uh, we have uh, – there's one before Atomic Habits that I'm, I'm missing uh, – the name. Who remembers the name? Anyone on the call? But um, so uh, we'd love to have you back and watch for the books. And thank you for your time. And I hope you have a great meeting. And everyone else, stay on. Unless yeah, thank okay. you very much. And, and appreciate the appreciate the recommendations and uh, appreciate the time. And, and hope everybody gets a lot out of this book as I have. All right. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. All righty. So, anyone on the call have any comments or questions before I, or if you read the book, any other uh, feedback that you got or, or things you learned before I start talking about some of the other things that I, I caught when I was reading it? Uh, I mean, uh, the biggest thing that I got out of it is, is simply the, I mean, he comes from, you know, Holiday comes from this Stoic philosophy. I mean, right. he's a big of it. And so what I find of it is it, it really changed my perception of what stoic thinking was. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have these imageries of the stoic and they're just like completely unemotional people that, that just don't, you know, they just don't have any emotion whatsoever. And that's not what a stoic is. He's just looking at it from a different perspective and, and kind of eliminate, you know, taking emotion out of, the, out of a problem. And so the way I look at this is I can take this, this book and I can kind of tie it to Never Split the Difference and then a couple other ones is, you know, nego- when you put emotion into a problem, it really can cloud your judgment. And so taking the emotion away makes everything a lot clearer and you can approach a problem and you can approach, you know, really what, whatever goal that you're trying to obtain in a much clearer, direct, and more focused way. I mean, that was probably the biggest thing that I got out of it. Yeah, and, you know, and he says things like apply resourcefulness versus anger, right? You know, yep. shelf the anger, anger because that's, that's going to do nothing to help. So try to check the emotion. It says defeat emotions with logic. Uh, emoting is the opposite of dealing with. So, and he does say, he does say in the book, I get it, you know, you, something happens and you're upset, take five minutes, but then, right. you know, steal up and, and say, okay, how am I going to resolve this? And that the world is full of people whining and complaining and not moving forward. That whining and complaining gets you stuck in the same place and you don't do anything to move forward to solve the problem. Right? Yep. right? 
um, you know, he says, ask yourself a question. Do I need to freak out about this? Yeah. And, you know, 99.9% of the time, almost 100% of the time is no, right? Uh, what Brian talked about was uh, he does talk about death in the, in, near the end of the book, and he says, you know, that sometimes thinking that we're mortal in, you know, can inspire and, and motivate you, right? So I'm looking for my quote on that that I wrote down. Bear with me. Um, but I thought that that, you know, that that was, you know, that's what, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, you guys know I love him, and, and he says all the time, you know, people say to him things like, does anything ever get you down? And, and he says, you know, sometimes I get myself in a, in a headspace where, you know, what, what if something happened to, you know, someone in my inner circle? And, and that he says it just propels him to an unbelievable level of gratefulness and gratitude. And I think that's so true. I mean, we, we all have so much to be grateful for and, and have gr- gratitude about. Um, he, there was a, he tells a story in the book about this guy Carter. I think he was a fighter, and he ended up getting, you know, having to go to prison for 19 years uh, unjustly. And um, he said, you know, you can take everything away from me, but you won't take my choices and even though I might not have power, I'm not powerless. And, um, you know, again, so many of us, and he says, you know, you might have a bad employer or you may have a bad job, but you still have choices and you still have, um, you know, you're not powerless. And there, you, there are things you can do in every situation to be, you know, move forward and be more positive and, and um and handle the obstacle and use it. You know, he, he, the guy, Carter, who was in jail, 19 years, I think, you know, he, they said he got a college degree and he worked on his, you know, legal case and he used the jail as a schoolhouse. I mean, that's pretty, and, and you know, he talks about Mandela and other people that were um, unjustly serving prison sentence, sentences who did things, you know, positively in, in, you know, that awful, awful situation. Other thoughts? Dina, are you still on? Yeah. You're a very positive, optimistic person. Are you always that way, or do sometimes obstacles get you down? I mean, I'm definitely human, but I have learned through, you know, experience and kind of seeing other people uh, allowing obstacles to stop them in their way that, you know, the power of positivity is real. And, you know, perspective is important in all situations, especially, you know, I mean, in all, in life and work and, and everything. And, and if there's something that I can bring to the table that is uniquely my own, it's definitely a more glass half full perspective. And I've seen it, you know, work for me both personally and professionally. Um, you know, if you're showing up to a meeting and expecting the worst, then you'll probably get that. But if you show up and, and bring a positive, you know, perspective and persona, you know, it, it, it seems to be that last little step that's necessary to, to get whatever I need to get done. Right, right, right. He, the, the, the author says, the only guarantee is that something will go wrong. That's the only mm-hmm. guarantee. 
in life, that something will for sure go wrong. So the only variable is in that is how we control ourselves. Mm-hmm. And he says that the collapse of will is worse than anything. To, you know, to be steely with your will so that you can be resourceful to, to find a different way. It, there's always a counter move. There's always a way through it. You know, I, I, I thought when I read that, I thought about my dad um, when I was learning to drive as a teenager. And, you know, when I was going back and forth to Florida State, you know, still as a young driver. And he used to say to me all the time, if you get stuck driving in a pouring rainstorm, never, ever, ever pull over. Always keep driving and you will drive yourself through it. And, uh, and that is a metaphor, I think, for these things in this book to, you know, just keep going. You will get to the other side. And, and, you will, and you will become creative. I mean, for, I don't know if there's any tenant rep brokers on the call, but, you know, tenant repping that L.A. fitness deal and going to Weingarten and saying, you know, can I do my L.A. fitness? No, we have to go get four waivers. You know, and then saying, well, let, you know, and then I, of course, I, I said, okay. I hung up the phone. I called my client. And then I, and then I thought, you know, I know Publix. I know TJ Maxx. I know Circuit City. Maybe, I, maybe they'll let me do it. And, you know, just figuring out a way around it. Another deal, uh, one of my first deals that uh, my partners and I bought was a a lot, a a one-and-a-half-acre lot, and uh, we had Walgreens. It was off-corner. We had Walgreens that wanted to land lease it, but we had a Publix exclusive. And I called, and I called, and I called, and I called, and I kept calling Publix, kept calling Publix, kept calling Publix, kept calling Publix. And the answer was no, 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 no. And then one day, like, you know, the the definition of insanity, this isn't working. I need to do something else. And one day I called up Publix. I said, you know, I just thought, what can I throw up, throw out that would just be crazy? I said, well, would you do it for a million bucks? Because I figured once I set the price, I could work. If, it, if it's about money, then we, then we know it, when we know what the answer is, we just have to negotiate. And the guy paused and said, yeah, we'd probably do it for a million. So just moving forward. You know, another situation I had was I was leasing a property that had lost 100,000 square feet of tenants, and I got hired to lease it. And I, it was like, you know, everyone in the market hated the property because, of course, it was the property's fault, not the fact that the prior developer gave everyone a year free rent, no guarantees, and when the free rent, and full build-out. So when the free rent burned off, the rents went from, you know, zero to 40 bucks. That wasn't the reason why everyone moved out, but, you know, it was the, the property. So for six months, literally cold calling and canvassing 100 people a day could not lease, you know, a square foot. And then I had this one group from Miami that that had seven locations. They wanted to move up to Broward, but they wanted my best location in the center. And they would, that's, and they would take 8,000 square feet, which is a huge deal, right? In, in a center that lost, it's a 400,000 400, square foot center. We just lost 100,000 square feet. For six months, I've done everything I can. I cannot lease something. This seven chain sporting goods store says I'll take 8,000 square feet, but I have to take the best space and I only want to pay single digits. And, you know, 
there's like no way we can't do it no way we can't do it. we can't give you the best space for single digits you know we'll give you single digits in the crappy space but not the best space not the only space that has exposure to the street and then and then i just one day i called the client which was general electric i said look i i said to the to the sporting goods why do you want my best space and they go well we we're you know we're new to broward we're new to fort lauderdale we need to establish a presence i said well how long will it take you to establish a presence probably about two years i call up general electric and i said hey why don't we give them would you agree to give them the good space and then in two years at the cheapy rent, eight bucks a square foot, and in two years, we have the right to recapture and relocate them. So recapture the A-plus space and relocate them to a more destination space in the center. G, you know, GE, or they have to pay a real rent. GE said yes, they would do it. I went to the tenant, and the tenant said yes, they would do it, and we did the deal. And that deal started, you know, a groundswell of other people that would lease there to help turn around the center. But being creative and trying to work around, does anyone have a situation now where there's an obstacle that maybe we can brainstorm? You've got a lot of people on this call. Maybe some people can give you some ideas of how to brainstorm if you think you're stuck on a deal. Nobody? Hey, Beth, it's Adam Lipkin. How are you? Hi, how are you? Long time no see. I'm doing great. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I'll, I'll just share this. Um, you know, it's not necessarily in the retail side, but in the financing side, and I'll share what I'm doing with it, but I'd love to hear anybody's feedback. So I have one of these new financial products that's very exciting, but yet there's a big restriction. The big restriction is to be able to get access to this money, you have to have a senior lender that's willing to allow it in a deal. So it's you know, very similar to, you've heard these things with EB-5 or Opportunity Zone Funds. You know, sometimes they do partially funding a project, but you still might need a senior lender. So I love Ryan Holiday's book. I read it a little while back, and I, I believe that the way I look at obstacles, the way is you think about how could this actually serve me and not hurt me? Like how could it be on the way and not in the way? So one thing I started doing a few months ago when I knew this was a challenge is I said rather than looking at the lender as the obstacle, look at it as that's actually the way to get deals done and really try to find those key lenders that have done out-of-the-box deals in the past, whether it be ground leases or more complex capital stacks, and try to find out what they would want. Do they want to invest in the portion that my side of the funding controls? Would they be interested in trying to do it at a level that works for them? So I definitely embodied, you know, just taking on, like, use that as, like, something that you could partner with somebody rather than look at them as the obstacle. Uh, and I'm in it. You know, I'm trying to do that. I think that's the approach that works. Uh, and have seen some early successes. And, you know, the interesting thing about, I'm sure, same with retail tenants, you know, if you just go to a big enough universe, there's probably a fit for a space for some tenant that's maybe even out of the box or maybe out of your mind, um, and especially in certain markets like South Florida where so many tenants are coming in from out of the area. So same in the financing space. So many different folks around the world want to invest in the U.S. commercial real estate market that it's sometimes a matter of just, you know, expanding your horizons and maybe looking out of the, the usual suspects. So that's kind of one of the obstacles <laughs> that I'm dealing with, and that's how I'm approaching it to make them, uh, you know, someone on the way and maybe somebody that's out of the box that you haven't thought of. Uh, but would love to hear anybody, uh, you know, any feedback that anybody might have. Anyone have feedback for Adam? I, 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 I agree. When, when, when I am faced with an obstacle like for in this space, for example, well, I, I don't want to lease this space because there's four handicapped 
parking spaces in front of it and there's no other parking nearby, then I know I can't go talk to an ice cream store, right? I need to go find when I'm canvassing a tenant that has no parking spaces in front of their space, right? Find, and that's what you're doing, right? You're, you're yeah. saying instead of you seeing it. this as an obstacle, let's find someone that it's not. Or, or you know, when I, when I, sometimes I go canvassing in, in markets, and, you know, one time I was in Des Moines, and, and, and the leasing agent was, you know, I can't lease space in Des Moines. What a, you know, what a terrible market, and it's so, you know, whatever, you know, all complaining about Des Moines. And because um, she had had other projects like in Chicago and like much cooler places. And I said, well, yep. we're going at least to people who already are in Des Moines. Right. If they let's not if Des Moines is an obstacle, let's remove the obstacle and let's go talk to people who don't see it as an obstacle because they're already embracing that which you think is an obstacle. Right. Yeah. And that's what you're doing, which is phenomenal. Yeah, just and just one last thing on that, and it actually led to some success. And, and really all it takes is just finding one tenant, in my case, one funding source. I literally just went out to a universe of 100 lenders and said, have you ever closed a deal with C-Pace in it? And sure enough, found four that said, oh, yeah, we, we did this last year with a few deals. And I said, great, let's talk. I'm one of the providers. So sometimes it really is that, is A, they're just expanding the universe um, but one thing I know not to do, and I think you just gave that example too, is don't, you, just, don't just keep trying to go against that same exact tenant and try to convince them that, oh, you don't need to have that many spaces. I think that's the, and that's a big way that I think I hear Gary say a lot too, is you know, not everyone's going to be your prospect or your client and just be able to bow out when you see early that it's just not going to line up in a way that you think there is a fit. You know, don't keep on you know, going against the current, you know? Right. Well, and, and for sure, you should never make you should never make the prospect wrong, right? Yep. Yep. So they say, oh well, you know, I need parking. Oh no, you don't. Okay, great. The, 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 people want to buy from people they like, and that's not the way to get them to like you by making them wrong, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, Brad. All right, Justin in uh, Knoxville. And uh, kind of on that note, uh, all my clients are awesome, but in, if anyone's ever had one that's not and doesn't see the uh, the cost. And keeping a deal from happening because they are valuing the property maybe more than what the market is revealing, we don't want to say no for our landlords either. And so just by some example, I would say, how much does this cost us by having this vacancy for nine months, 12 months? There's a real number there that it's already cost us. And that number, when you compare it to the number that we're off for making this deal, how much, how much greater do you want that cost to rise before we finally see what the market's willing to bear? Right. Hey, hey, landlord, do you remember 2009? Do you remember that deal that you said no to that you wish you would have done? Right. And sometimes just being honest with your clients about market expectations is what gets them to move. Absolutely. I've, I've made those mistakes. For sure, being a little arrogant about what I think the market can bear and finding out that it, that it couldn't or didn't. Another statement in the book he says is, stop looking for angels and look for angles. What do you guys think that meant? Stop looking for angels and look for angles. Stop, I mean, stop hoping a miracle is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> It's not going to fall from the sky. Try to figure out, you know, look at the look at the issue. What's going to happen? And you know, it's it's not like it's going to 
fix itself. So find something that, that makes sense, that works for the benefit of, the, of, of, of you know, whatever you're accomplishing, and, and approach it. And, there's, and angles can go many different ways. So you, if you go one way, if it doesn't work, you go to a different way. I mean, he kind of relates that to the Ulysses S. Grant and his story in Vicksburg. So it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, and I think, you know, I hope you guys have opportunities, you know, to brainstorm with, you know, either peers in your company or, you know, peers in your market that aren't competitors because I think a lot of time brainstorming on deal obstacles is a great way to come up with some be creative ideas. And I'm always open, you know, just send me a, an email or a text or go on social. You know, I'm always open to talking about and trying to talk through and coming up with creative ideas to get around obstacles. Uh, you know, I love that. You know, and, and he, he also says, focus on the moment, not the monsters that may or may not be ahead. You know, my mom was the biggest worrywart in the world, and my dad was not. I'm so glad I got my dad's optimism. I got my mom's work ethic. My dad was a dreamer. He always believed, you know, the, be the next best deal is going to be the next best deal. I you know, I lost them both years ago, and I missed them, but my mom's work ethic – but thank God I got my dad's optimism because he was, he's a glass half full and she was the glass half empty. And I can't tell you how many times growing up my dad would say, June, you know, what you're worrying about is never, ever, ever going to happen. And the energy that you are, you know, that, that you're using up all of the goodness in your body and your, your, and your mental, you know, state by worrying is such a waste. So... All right. I hope you guys liked that. Any other questions before we talk about uh, next month? No? Okay. I, uh, so next month is my book, and we're going to have uh, someone interviewing me. <laughs> so so um, I think, uh, Josie, are you on the phone? I think it's February 15th, right? I believe it's Friday, February 15th. And um, I hope you guys, well, yes, she's saying yes, 1130. And then the book after that is Getting Things Done. Uh, that's for those of you guys that know Aliona with Saglo in uh, Miami. This is her Bible, and she's been asking me to do it for, you know, I think the last 13 months. So we're going to be doing that one. And then after that is Atomic Habits. I just started listening to Atomic Habits. My entire office is crazy about this book. So um, I'm excited. That will be the the one in, um, I guess, April. So we've got my book next, then Getting Things Done, and then Atomic Habits. So thank you guys for being on the call. And if we don't have any other questions, let's all go out and make some deals. All right. Thanks, Beth. Thanks, Beth. Okay, Appreciate it. Take care.